Hiya, welcome. New episode. This week, it's just me, Jeff and Alex, no guest, talking about that article that Alex mentioned last week. It's the one about the travesty in energy rating in France, like their version of the EPC. It's quite a long one. We spent more than an hour talking about Alex's translated version of the article, the case studies that were presented in it, and the, I mean, the travesty involved, and how you see similarities and differences in the UK EPC system and Ireland's BER as well. I won't take up much more of your time here. Just the usual requests. Please subscribe, review if you can spare the time, and share it with people who might enjoy it. Other than that, I'll just let it run. And uh, hope you enjoy it. Cheers. You know when GDPR kicked in in Ireland, the, the general post office, uh, the main kind of post office in, in Dublin City, they uh, they removed all the bins from the building hmm. because of concerns about GDPR. <laughs> you what? Yep. <laughs> what, in case people were binning things with people's details on? I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stupidity, you know. Um. <laughs> I don't... I mean, there's a bit of stupidity in that, but it it reads more like blind panic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I I actually rang the information commissioner's office um, in the in the run up to us, and the sense we got from them was that they really didn't give two about what we were up to. You know, anyway, yeah. it's not. This is in, in, they're after bad guys, you know, um, yeah. and um, and people who are really taking the Mickey, and we're not doing that, you know. So yeah. the old agency we worked at we used to hoover up every email address from every email that was relevant. There would be points at which we would just hoover everything up and get it into the database under a, what's, what's the clause or the, the, the part it's it's like fair use. Legitimate interest. That's it. Yeah. You can get away with a lot. So I recommended, or I suggested doing this with one of our Australian clients and uh, they said, absolutely not do not do that we would get absolutely hammered if you did that and by what by who by their by their bosses uh, by, by the, uh, corporate by kangaroos <laughs> by uh, the officials <laughs> the information officials in australia oh yeah yeah it's funny it's like when lauren came over uh first you, you remember dan now she she um freaked out when we'd be crossing the road between you know if we didn't cross the traffic light um <laughs> jaywalking i, I didn't know what jaywalking meant uh, i'd heard of the term obviously but i didn't know what it meant until um until uh, I, uh, I i met lauren you know um Man. Do you know uh, where jaywalking bizarre. came from i'd say the, the states but i don't know but yeah it came from the states because in america when the automobile was being introduced to towns and cities the automobile industry was suffering an, a lot of negative pr because cars kept killing people <laughs> so no, that's not the way it should be reported. As, as Lloyd Alter, who we're going to have to have on the podcast, says, it's it's more the way that they, these things tend to be reported is a car uh, uh, accident happened, you know, uh, with a person or something like that. You know, so, so there's, there's a particular way these things are reported that don't put the emphasis on the, the car killing the person, you know? Yeah, yeah, like Middle Eastern war reporting. A person has died from a gunshot wound. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I wonder what kind of person. Oh, I wonder where they're from. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who shot them. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Jaywalking, just... you were saying. Actually, when are we going to start? I know we're recording, but when are we actually going to start the conversation proper or, how, or have we? Um, well, I think we have. Like, I can include some of this. Like, some of it's interesting. I well, like... Go on about your jaywalking. That's interesting. Go on. Uh, so it's relevant to the context of sustainable transport. <laughs> it's it's interesting that uh, the PR endeavours of the auto, uh, uh, a nascent or burgeoning automobile industry changed the way people's lives were managed for them. So it put the onus onto the individual to make the change to their behaviour rather than expecting any sort of safety from the car perspective, which is entirely analogous to uh, how they managed or how the fossil fuel industry managed climate change instead of jaywalking, read carbon footprint. Mm. So we why should is it do called something. jaywalking? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Why is it called jaywalking? No idea. We have all the internet at our fingertips. Have you uh, seen that, that carbon footprint infographic that goes around on LinkedIn? Drives me spare. It's like a an infographic. I, in fact, I've never paid it much heed because I find carbon footprint so objectionable a concept. I don't like to engage with it. It feels like reinforcing it. Yeah, I I I know how unsavory it is in in some ways, but I wouldn't abandon. It is useful, you know, um, and it's useful to. It, it can be a very useful way of spotting, um, uh, uh, just of signalling on a kind of per capita basis how how much worse um and uh, we are in the west for instance than, uh, than 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 the global south you know um in spite of the stuff being made over there <laughs> you know and, yeah. and us having kind of uh, consumption uh uh or sorry production-based emissions accounting rather than consumption-based you know um uh which we should say we mean where where countries report their their emissions totals based on what's made in their country uh, the emissions were because the emissions, I guess, occur there rather than uh, what's consumed there. So hence you have a situation where not in, not exclusively for this reason. But this is why one of the reasons why the UK uh, has looked like such a leader uh, yeah. in, in, uh, in this regard, because I gather under Thatcher, you know, so much heavy industry was shut down. Yeah. Um, and you just moved 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 everything to to emerging countries, um, we, and therefore uh, we therefore all the pollution was done elsewhere. You know, yeah, we outsourced the carbon cost. Like that's all that yeah. happened. So we made it someone else's cost. Alex and I worked on a project last year with a, a hedge fund who deals with emerging markets, and they published a piece of research, a brilliant piece of research, with this this guy in America that we're going to uh, collaborate on uh, a project with. He's a, a data analyst for sovereign debt and he worked on a, a an ESG research project which was about ESG ratings of emerging market and frontier market countries as compared to developed nations and what he found so you know ESG environmental social governance uh yeah not the new york seminal post punk slash um what would you call them proto hip hop post no 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 the post punk genre defying band Nah, they were. But they, but they, if you look they got up, picked there's... up by hip hop, so they were used. UFO was used. They're worth checking out, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, UFO is a classic. Everyone's heard yeah. it. It works really well at the wrong speed as well. Um. <laughs> anyway, I think it's a Bismarcky beat, like a really famous Bismarcky one. Um. Just interrupting. It wasn't Bismarcky. It was Big Daddy Kane, produced by Marley Marl. 
not biz at all. Check the link in the show notes. Anyway, uh, we digress. So what he'd done was he looked at all the data from a whole heap of uh, countries, so their ESG ratings, and he found that South Africa, consuming very little uh, carbon, was rated infinitely poorly in terms of ESG than a country like Switzerland, which was outsourcing mm-hmm. all of its carbon consumption. And when you reconcile those two, you know, like the things they're consuming, the embodied carbon within them, and this is yeah. all relevant to uh, built environment stuff. What's the embodied carbon of Nazi gold? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <Sorry. laughs> yeah. Don't want to offend any Swiss listeners out there. Um, yeah. Unless you own Nazi gold, in which case, absolutely, it's fair, fair game. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine there's many Nazis listening to this podcast. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Although, like there, there is all that eco-fascism and eco-nationalism. Yeah. So exactly. Um, if you watch the Handmaid's Tale, yeah. Yep. So should we find any listeners of that sort amongst our membership? You're not welcome. I can assure you. <laughs> uh, we want this to be an echo chamber of uh, chin-stroking uh, mung bean eaters. You know. Dude, yeah. it's it's not an echo chamber to be decrying Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the worst centrism. Like <laughs> no, we must listen yeah. to everyone. I will fight you in the marketplace of ideas. Oh man. <laughs> um anyway. So uh today we're not talking about Nazis at all. It's supposed to be Alex telling us about <laughs> something he discovered in France. The yeah, floor is yours. Yeah. yeah. That's a really smooth one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, get on back on subject. Um, yeah, go on, Alex. So, what have you found? What have I found? Now, we mentioned it last week, I think, or at least we were chatting about it uh, towards the end of the podcast. But uh, when I was uh, back home in France over Christmas, I was at my uh, my mum's house and uh, she subscribed to the equivalent of uh, French witch magazine. And the first thing that I saw was on the... Uh, which as in W-H-I-C-H question mark not like spellcraft it's not a coven yeah 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 exactly like we had to clarify that with a client we were talking to this morning i will i will make sure i I ask my mum to listen to this to say that you're insinuating that she's uh signed up to some witchcraft magazines yeah we would never describe her as a hag in public Uh, yeah okay well then let's continue So um, yes, I was I was I was looking at the the magazine, and the first thing I saw, obviously because of what we do, is this big uh, cover on the magazine saying, uh, "Let me just find the translation." There'll be a few there'll be a few uh, breaks in the way I I read things because some of it is all in French, so translating on the fly is yeah not exactly the easiest thing to do. Um, but the first thing I saw was energy diagnosis. What a scandal! So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So uh, I'll have, I'll go and have a look. And it, the, the other thing I was saying was none of them say the same thing. So I flipped over and I started looking at it. And it said, so energy diagnosis, what a scandal, a stream of very penalizing errors. And the summary was that the new DP, which I'll describe in a minute, and that is the uh, basically the equivalent of the EPC in the UK. And is it the BER, Jeff, in, in Ireland? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're saying that the DP is not better mastered, or the new one, is not better mastered by the diagnosticians than the old one, when it can lead to a devaluation of the property at sale, of, yeah, property at sale, and soon prevent it from being rented. The scandal is national in scope. The government must tackle it. 
Okay, so this is what sort of attracted my attention. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of questions in here that I think you'll need to ask me in a minute because uh, we haven't set the uh, the scene yet. So we've got a few things to explain. But I thought that was really interesting. And basically, uh, what's been happening is in France, the uh, the the DP. So the DP is declaration. I would say is nope. uh, diagnostic the performance. Oh, never mind. Are we doing the guest <laughs> game? You can go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So it's uh, Diagnostic de Performance Energetique, which translates to Diagnostic of Energy Performance. So PPC, BER, same thing, the DP. And I think what I like to do here is actually do a bit of a a lecture, because I need to give you some context of some of this stuff before we move on. So are you guys okay with that? Yep. Go on. Yeah, yeah, grand. So... um, the Diagnostic of Energy Performance, or DPE as I refer to it, is a diagnosis performed in France on real estate. It provides information on the energy performance of a dwelling or a building by evaluating its energy consumption and its impact in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. The DPE must be presented during real estate transactions, sale, rental and new construction of housing and tertiary buildings such as offices, hotels, etc. It aims to inform the owner and tenant of the energy consumption of housing or tertiary building on its heating, cooling, hot water production. The content and methods of establishing the DP are regulated. The DP indicates, depending on the case, either the amount of energy actually consumed based on bills or the estimated energy consumption for a standardized use of the building or housing. And the DP is valid for 10 years. Okay, so that's just the, the basic uh, definition. And that's all, Alex, just perfectly as per this is all framed by the requirements of the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive. In the annex of, of at the back of the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive, um, it makes it clear um, everything that you've said is, is is what I would have expected to hear. Um, yes. Just, just uh, is it saying that that it's with DPs you can you can either base them on, uh, if I heard you correctly, on actual usage or on a calculation. So that's the interesting part. So I'm, I'm glad you're here, Jeff. Uh, I was wondering why you were on the podcast, but clearly we found a use for you. <laughs> the, uh, the, the the DP was uh, created in France in 2006, and it actually used to be entirely, I believe, based on uh, energy consumption, therefore the bills. And since 2021, so July 1st, 2021, it's lost its merely informative character, and now it's become fully enforceable. And it's based now on actual performance indicators such insulation, double glazing, or the other aspects of the uh, the actual building performance, not just the amount of energy consumed by the building. Did so you say did you say 10 years as well? Like you oh, only have years. to get it done once every 10 years. Yes. You're valid for 10 years, yeah. Like is there any demand that it be checked or changed or like you're because, golden 10 years? Well I think that's the interesting debate here, isn't it? Because the whole point of this article is that they're saying that the uh, the DP as it's being done at the moment is complete horseshit. Uh, to some extent, they actually I think concluded that you might as well just scrap it for the moment. It would be better. It's that bad. It sounds so it. It's actually been it's it's actually been put into a format where it's actually being you are able to challenge it either as a house buyer or as a tenant. So you can actually now go and say no, this is absolutely crap. So we don't believe this this right. So we should go and do another one. So it's- who who does the assessment? The assessment is is done by uh, professional diagnosticians, and I've got a little bit of information about that. 
So to establish a DP, it must be done by a certified diagnostician, and it's a, a personal accreditation. It's not the company, and it you're it's given by an accredited organisation since November first, two thousand and seven, and the person must present guarantees of competence and have an organisation and appropriate means, have taken out insurance to cover the consequences of any liability arising from their work, and have no ties that could affect its impartial or his impartiality and independence. It takes 30 to 120 minutes to carry out correctly, depending on the surface and volume of the property to be assessed, the number of rooms and access to information. Uh, the person who makes this diagnosis commits his responsibility. Okay, interesting. So the person, who, the makes the diag- so the person who makes the diagnosis is on the hook? Yes. And that, Sorry, that's Jeff. important. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of different things to unpick with this. Um, uh, there, There are some quite legitimate reasons why you might have differences in the ratings and there's some that would be more troubling um it's interesting if it is the case uh that i wasn't aware of this but if it's the the case that france has gone from uh an actual operational rating based on actual usage to an asset rating um based on on calculated values um that's very interesting and the idea with an asset rating is that it's giving you uh a uh, a standardized assessment of a building's energy performance based on clearly defined parameters which would go into the calculation you know about temperature about occupancy about uh hot water usage and so on based on the on the number of you know uh i don't know based on the size of the building or the number of of, of bedrooms or whatever you know um yeah and um that that would affect things. The other one of the other variables that could affect things dramatically. We've seen this in Ireland um, uh, because the calculated ratings are based on primary energy, which is the energy at source, uh, and that's the energy at the power station rather than the energy at the plug socket. Um, for instance, um, your 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 rating on a building can change a lot over time. Uh, as the grid changes, uh, in particular, it won't change so much with gas um, or oil because the the primary energy of those don't, doesn't fluctuate and the carbon intensity of those doesn't fluctuate. Uh, all of these kind of magical discussions around hydrogen, um, oh, notwithstanding, yeah. you know. Um, but um, the point is that with electricity, that has been shifting an awful lot um, over, over time um, as more renewables and I guess nuclear, in the case of France, has has come on stream. Um, I've seen this before in, in Ireland uh, you know you could have uh, two ratings done on the same property basically if you had two identical uh, uh, you know two identical mid terrace houses for instance that are that are right next to each, you know, that are adjoined uh, obviously um, yeah um, uh, uh, completely identical characteristics and if they're completely electrically heated either with a heat pump or with just a direct, direct electric and you got the rating done 10 years apart um, on them, you could have a massive uplift um, in, in the newer one um, because of the decarbonization of the grid, because all of the energy in, in your rating is electrical. And if you've seen, you know, 25, 30, 40, percent or more of a reduction in the primary energy of electricity within that time um then you could you know then your 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 rating when i when i looked at it a few years ago and we've had significant progress since since then um you were jumping up from like a, an e1 to a d1 in certain 
categories, you know, an R alphanumeric band uh, rating, uh, without when in reality the properties are actually identical. So, so there's there's issues like that, I suppose. But uh, and that could be the case here too. Um, but I, anyway, I'm, it's fascinating that they moved this broader point, moving moving away from. Um, what would be imperfect, uh, you know, and uh, from from a comparative perspective, in having um, uh, an actual operational rating to an asset rating, there's kind of pros and cons of both. You know, I'd want the I'd want the operational data if I if, if I could have it, um, but you really need to you, you need to be able to contextualize that and understand, um, you know, uh, understand the massive kind of uncertainty that you'd have depending on how the how the building was used for that period of time. You know. I think they, they're actually using both. I think before they didn't take into account the, the actual fabric of the building. Um, it might right. be worth reading out a bit more of uh, the information I found on the government Sorry. website well, for context. The DP carried out on a scale. So we're talking now about the, the new DP, okay, not the one that came into force in July the 1st, 2021. The new DP uh, carried out on the scale of residential buildings, single family homes, apartments, apartment buildings, known as the DP logement. Uh, has been redesigned to make it more reliable, more readable, and to take better take into account climate issues. This new version of the DP housing came into force on July 1st, 2021. Uh, and the sort of the key aspects of it is that it's a fully enforceable DP. In accordance with the uh, ELAN law, the DPE became fully enforceable, okay, again, on July 1st, 2021. Issued until this date, uh, for information purposes, it, it now has the same legal scope as other real estate diagnoses, with exception of the recommendations for work that the DP cont contains, uh, which remain only indicative. So any uh, energy performance improvement just remains indicative. The fully opposable opposability makes it necessary to justify all the data used to carry out uh, the DPE. This justification is carried out thanks to the documents provided by the owner and the statements made by the diagnostician. It is therefore essential to keep all the evidence of the work carried out so that it can be used in a DP. The other aspect is that it's considered to be a more reliable DP. The method of calculating the DP has been reviewed and consolidated and is applied in a consistent manner to all housing. The overhaul therefore provides greater methodological reliability, a prerequisite for making the ECD fully uh, enforceable, oh, sorry, and for making the ECD fully enforceably, enforceable legally. And then finally, a DP that takes better account of climate issues. Finally, because a DP is becoming a structure, stru sorry, structuring tool for the energy renovation of the housing stock, it is necessary that the definition of labels and thresholds take better account of the national ambition to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. In this respect, the calculation of energy performance labels no longer depends solely on the primary energy consumption of the dwelling, but also includes a climate component by taking into account greenhouse gas emissions. Okay. Okay. That's it's funny how stark contrast that is to the UK model, where it's just about it's just about energy use in your home. Certainly, that's how it comes across. But there's no reference to climate in the EPC. There seems to be little or scant reference to it anywhere. It's uh, purely in terms of. In fact, I was going to say it's purely in terms of how it relates to the asset value, but currently it still has no bearing on the asset value. The asset being the home. Or property. Well, I think I think that's the interesting part because uh, we so again on the on the government website, what I found was interesting was that they call it its purpose is to inform the buyer or tenant about the green value to recommend work to be done to improve it and to estimate its energy costs. So that's the ideal of the new DPE. But the interesting part of the article that we are actually discussing at the moment 
is that they are actually framing this completely around the actual value that the DP uh, gives to the home or the devaluation that the DP can potentially give to the home. Oh, which... that's such a positive move. Sorry. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I should I, I should just say as well, just to interject there about Dan Dan um, that um the the UK EPCs do account for uh for carbon as well. Um so um uh, it, it's it, the UK one as it stands is kind of impenetrable in, in some ways. It's it, it's like um um my under, my understanding is limited because I suppose we operate in our ivory tower focusing more on passive house style so projects and most of the people that we that we deal with are kind of um I, I hope they don't they're not too sneering when they look down their nose at, at, at EPCs. Um but you know there's an element of that. I try not to be like that obviously. Um but uh it's 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 less the EPC in this in the UK is less transparent than the Irish system, and the, the Irish one actually has a a kilowatt hour per square meter per annum figure and a kilograms of CO two uh, per per square meter, uh, whereas the UK one is an abstract kind of score from zero to hundred. I think it goes above hundred in some cases, actually. Um, uh, both, I think, in terms of energy and carbon, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm a little bit out of my depth. Uh, here, but no, that that's a very interesting point, Alex. And sorry, you, you go go back. I just wanted to 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 um, yeah, to show you up, Dan. So you go you go back to where you, <laughs> now now that you've been put, put down to size. Go on, continue. <laughs> where was I? Uh, Dan was yeah, going to say something. We told no, no. I'd given up. You interrupted me before Alex <laughs> could start talking again. So you've ruined this, Jeff. So uh, I, rem- I remembered what I was going to say there. Where I was going. The interesting part of this article was that they're making, they're really making a, a point that, uh, so again, come back to the point of the article is that the these diagnosticians are really making uh, some completely random uh, assessments, uh, DP assessments of, of the homes. And they're saying that the problem with this is that it's causing a devaluation in homes, because one of the things that's important to note as well is that if you're rated, I believe under, I think it's E, uh, you uh, for a rented property, for example, you're not no longer able to to increase your rent. And if it's uh, rated uh, G, you can actually you can't actually rent it out at all, which is really good. It's a, a really great thing to do, obviously, to inc- to improve the uh, the housing stock. But I don't think prov- provided the rating tool is is an, is a, is sufficiently accurate an accurate no. basis for making that call. Yeah, precisely. And then the what the article is then recommending is that homeowners go out and do uh, DP shopping and they just go and do a few and effectively try and get oh, the, the best one, yeah. you know, which again, doesn't feel like the right idea. Um, no, and it, you, you'll always get some, you know, you will always get some variation. I, I, I remember like in, in Ireland, um, there's a requirement uh, to, to qualify as an assessor. Um, you, you have to pass a certain threshold. I can't remember whether it's 70% or whatever it is um, on, on your exam. Um, and I should say, you compare this to the likes of a dynamic simulation of buildings in terms of you know more sophisticated energy performance simulation um, of, of of buildings using um, kind of fancy kind of uh, software tools. Um, uh, that's even that's much much less regulated, in fact. But but in this particular case, um, if we're talking uh, 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 about the accuracy of them. I think uh, you alluded, Alex, to the fact that uh, that there's the onus is on the homeowner to provide detailed information. Um, so the way it works in Ireland and in the UK, um, and I'm sure this is the same in, in France to a point, um, 
if you don't have uh, inf- information, detailed information, and the, and presented in the right way with the right documentation, the right certifications, for instance, on uh, the works that were done to the building, the, down to the the particular energy performance certificate for a window, for instance, that kind of thing. Um, you then go back to a default value for the building, which in Ireland, for instance, is based on the age of construction. Um, yes. And uh, I would say, in the in the Irish case, my own sense of it, at least, is that in some instances that's punitive to buildings, um, and in some instances it's very generous. So, like for instance, um, there's some research. There's a research called Dr. Kira Ahern at um, TU Dublin Technological University of Dublin, who's done a bunch of papers um, indicating that for older properties in Ireland, um, you know, like listed listed buildings or protected structures, we call them here. Um, uh, the assumption, the assumed insulation levels for the building fabric, for instance, uh, in the in the energy ratings, um, is uh, is pessimistic. That the reality is probably actually better. Um, where I think the problem occurs in Ireland, then, where I think this turns on its head, um, is with the advent of building regulations. When the building regulations came in, and we started making assumptions about. Uh, homes actually being built to comply with minimum insulation standards uh, in a context where there was little or no enforcement of the regulations, you have uh, overly generous assumptions being made uh, that uh, that buildings complied. Um, when we have, when we actually have evidence to indicate uh, that uh, that uh, you know. Uh, the the majority of buildings, certainly during the kind of Celtic Tiger years in Ireland, um, uh, were, uh, were 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 built far short of the requirements of the regulations in, in many regards. You know, my point basically is that uh, it's it's kind of complicated, um, and um, there's going to be some you, you know uh, if we're relying on default data, it's going to be problematic. Um, and the question then is what. Uh, evidence is the state willing to, you know, the statutory authorities that are creating the energy performance raising tools, what evidence are they able to accept to um, make it practical for people to easily get accurate information forward? That's difficult, you know. Yeah. I agree, Jeff, but I think here also the, the thing to point out is that you still have uh, people who, who are professionals, accredited professionals, so presumably they've been out there, they've been training, they're supposed to be experts in their fields because they have yeah. a clear impact on many aspects of the of what a building does in people's lives. You know, obviously um, energy uh, or carbon emissions and this value as well. Yeah, so they should be able to go around a property. Uh, obviously, have some documentation such as you know, the I don't know the make of the windows and uh, if they are argon filled, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for for the double glazing, and that should be able to make something a half decent assessment whereas here and we'll have to go into this in a bit more detail i'll I'll read out a few of the case studies uh out of the five people the five experts that came to to review each house they could hardly agree on the on the the rating which i think is is absolutely crazy yeah well it's not uncommon is it and that's in well in fact how were they is there any information about how they were assessing it like, is it that they one did more, one more one applied more due diligence than the others, or are they just assessing everything from a cold perspective differently because they come from different 
theoretical perspectives or experiential perspectives? Well, I don't think we know. We, we don't get that from the article itself. Uh, but <clears throat> to give you the methodology, these, these were properties that were dotted around France, so they weren't just in one region. And so what happened is that they selected properties with different typologies, construction periods, and heating methods. That was the, the starting mm. point. And each of the owners <clears throat> called uh, three networks and two independent diagnosticians in their area. And once the DPEs were done, the magazine itself analyzed them before visiting each property to verify as much information as possible. And also, in order to avoid poor results, the magazine waited until the procedures and software were ready and completed before launching the study, because this was uh, came into force on the 1st of July 2021, so not that long ago. This magazine yeah. came out on the, in October 2022. So the so survey was only conducted last June. Uh, so the diagnosticians had plenty of time to familiar, familiarize themselves with the system. So the assumption was that there was an old uh, system there in place that had been going since 2006. So you still had a, at least a minimum level expertise. They created the new DP to put into place something that was more systematic, I suppose, fairer and easier to, to do and understand. And yet, out of each property, five different uh, experts came in, and most of them could not agree on the not only the rating but also the the way they were analyzing things and even the recommendations they were making some were saying well we think you should insulate the house uh, from the inside when the house already had external wall insulation for example yeah so you were getting some completely wacky things and i mean literally the the article is calling them out and saying that they're a bunch of idiots that's that's uh it's quite close to actually just calling them idiots really yeah well it sounds fair and do you know where where, where... Well, and were they given, uh, presumably the homeowners gave them the same documentation, you know, the same evidence in each case? Were they required to do that, you know? Um, I can only assume. You know, because if you... It wasn't written in the article. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, you know, we, uh, don't, we don't know everything about this article, so we're not, we're not here to sort of say this article is absolutely perfect. I think there's, there's plenty to say, as I said, about the fact that the article is looking at the impact on the value of a property, not on the impact it has in the decarbonisation of the built environment, which... To be honest, is where they should be looking at things nowadays. Yeah, but no one's going to care about yeah. the environment until it starts costing them money. We've had that True. conversation plenty of times. I think it's a perfect place to start because it's the only place where it'll spur people into action, like we were talking about the other week. The only way but you is, can get people to think about retrofitting their homes properly is if you start from the kitchen or the bathroom. But what I'm saying here is that this this magazine, so it's called um, UFC Cochoisir. Which is the which means uh, what to choose and UFC ultimate for... fighting championship. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, absolutely. It <laughs> <laughs> really go. They're getting they're, they're UFC really fighters to go out and do be, uh, these these racings. No wonder it's all the brain damage that, 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 that's uh, <laughs> affecting their racings. <laughs> um, the steroids, the, the steroids and the brain damage. Yeah, it's a heady mix. It. Yeah. It's the Federal Union of Consumers, and they they have a reputation in France. They were created in 1951, and they have a reputation of being quite militant. So over the years, uh, they've uh, been boycotting hormone-fed veal. They've fought beach pollution. They've uh, they've fought against phosphate-free detergents. I mean, they've actually been active in making changes in the law for this for these things. You know, uh, uh, making people aware of dangers of aluminium. Uh, reducing the hidden salt in food uh sugar in food etc cetera, etc cetera. they've been quite active and here it yeah. feels like they are this is slightly at odds as to what they're trying to do usually this is to improve and help uh, the consumers this is a very consumer-led magazine in fact 
if you don't mind, I'd like to read out a bit of information about it as well, just to give some context. Yeah, so, that means that'd be useful. The way, Jeff, so would called... you, sorry, Jeff, would you like to interrupt Alex as well? <laughs> no, go on, go on. <laughs> so, the magazine is called UFC Cushwazia, which stands for Federal Union of Consumers What to Choose, which is a bit of a literal uh, translation here. So in its own words, it's expert, independent, militant. Uh, UFC Cushwazia is a non-profit association investigations, tests, legal battles, lobbying actions, with its network of more than 150 local associations, Kushwazir is at the service of consumers to inform them, advise them, and defend them. And Wikipedia describes them as, it is one of the 15 consumer associations recognized as representative by the public authorities in France. It presents itself as a federator of consumers' expectations and needs in order to put pressure on the various players, manufacturers, mass distribution, service providers, etc. So, you can see it's not exactly just a, a passive uh, magazine that just does a bit of reporting on a couple yeah. of things. Careful there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, well, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm very admiring of the uh, the use of the word militant because we yeah. need an awful lot more militancy. Like I'm, I'm curious about how this is enforced, like by what mechanism it's enforced, because if the data is garbage, at what point does it ever get picked up? I'm thinking at the moment about the the, the national pollution in our waterways in the uk you know the what are they called the epa they have the authority to prosecute but not the resources to do it's anything environment about agency it. in the uk yeah environment agency thanks jeff that's all right who who checks people's homework good question uh, yeah well i mean I can, I can speak for yeah i can speak for the irish situation there there, there is a there's a pretty tight see our system's pretty well bedded in in ireland now um in that it's been you know, and the French one should be too. You know, given that th this all came through from a directive originally that that was um, published in two thousand and two, um, and the requirement to introduce energy ratings uh, uh, came in in two thousand and six, um, uh, with some member states looking for a dispensation. This is one of the things I, I was before a parliamentary committee back in two thousand and five on. Um, but um, uh, the Irish system has kind of the, the our system that we have today, the racing system, is sort of a, a refined version of what we had in from. We ended up being start two thousand and seven when it came in for 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 new, for new homes um, and then existing homes after that. Um, but uh, you know, so it's 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 improved in Ireland. But I, I would say with with regard to the accuracy of the ratings, the SCAI, the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, um, who which which runs it. Has done pretty good work um, in terms of um, auditing the the, the the ratings. They tend to audit the good ratings much more. So that's the feedback from assessors, at least anyway, is that if you if you have like an A1 or an A2 rated property, well, probably more A1 now because everything's A2 and under new homes now and building regulations now. Well, I mean, that, sounds, that sounds fair. Up to like a, a point, yeah, but um, it's it, it's uh, yeah, it, it pro probably is. But I, I I probably at this stage I'd rather it was representative samples, I suppose, because it felt like it was kind of um, um and in, I say that, but but there've been some some weird examples of buildings achieving A one ratings that that are you know I would say anything but exemplary low energy buildings. Um, uh, so 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 I suppose I'm I'm kind of in two minds about that. Um, but uh. It's it's well enough bedded in Ireland. There's still issues with it that that, that we would certainly like to see improved and considerably improved. Then there's issues. I 
I would have with it. Um, it's you know, and, and we had early, early on with it, we had probably issue uh, variable quality of assessors. Uh, they've tightened up an awful lot on that now. There's an old episode of Father Ted um, where Dougal says something uh, characteristically stupid um, and Ted looks at him and says something like, Dougal, how did you get into the priesthood? Was it sell, send away 12 packets of crisps and become a priest? Um, there, was a, there was a sense early on with the energy rating, with the building energy ratings that there was a bit of that going on. I mean, that, that's probably a little bit unfair. Yeah. But you know, there, there were there were some training providers uh, that were churning out uh, assessors very very quickly, um, and uh, that I think was quite problematic. But it's but it's been professionalised an awful lot. I would be I'd caution about the use of the word profession as well, though. Of course, and profession, you know, uh, it's a it's a term that used to mean I think originally um, it applied only to uh, to medicine law and i think uh i think uh i think religious qualifications as well um and it's become very liberally applied now for uh for in this case i don't know what restrictions there are in france um on on who can do the assessments you know but it doesn't have to be terribly involved you know necessarily um so uh there, well, yeah. there's a question of, you know i'm oh, sorry it's some of that's not really been especially valued hitherto like I've said many times that the guy who did the EPC on the flat we sold uh, was the guy taking the photographs for the estate agent. Like it's a checkbox exercise. And I've no idea how good he was at his job or not. The only comfort I can take out of that is I know the people who bought the flat paid no notice to the EPC. And I think this because I spent considerably more than them on the next place. And I paid scant notice to the EPC because I knew it uh, it probably wasn't going to be particularly reflective. And that you, was backed you up got by... It. You knew what it was, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I remember I used to work in property advertising many, many moons ago when they were being brought in. And at that point, all the estate agents were all mad panicked about what this was going to mean. Like They were up in arms about it to the point where they actually wrote columns for the publications that we were producing. And, um, you know really interested in doing work at any point that's why yeah. it felt significant they were they were clamoring to get their tuppence worth out and people were genuinely panicked and then it, it came out and it was toothless and it bore little relation to value now that's something that's gonna gonna change over the, the near yeah. future but like I'm, I'm still struck after what Stuart Little said when we spoke to him about how part of what he does or part of what he can do with uh, IRT surveying is they do thermal imaging to help people reduce their EPC rating so they can then claim grant funding or they can access grant funding rather than claim right. it. Because the EPC rating is so often so inaccurate because it's just a checkbox exercise. Is there insulation in the, the attic? Yes. Tick. No check as to whether the, the competence related to the, the installation of the insulation. I mean, we know one highly esteemed surveyor who got there uh, attic their loft insulated the other year and they came out of it feeling mugged and they're a professional they took their eye off the ball they got installed and they weren't happy with it and you know that can happen to professionals and the public and if the it's people doing the point. assessing aren't qualified to know about any of this stuff well you... or, or whether they're given the right tools whether they're permitted to use the right tools to to uh to produce more accurate depictions um, and in this case, there's a there's a 
particular example, I'm a bit like a broken record about this. So I don't know if I have been on the podcast, um, but um, there's it's just it's a study that I know very well. Um, there was a, f- a famous or seminal kind of study in Ireland uh, from 2006, uh, 2005 to 2006, called the Energy Performance Survey of Irish Housing, and it was it was a study that was done to benchmark the Irish housing stock for the introduction of our energy ratings, um, and it involved assessors going out and surveying. 150 odd homes around the country that were a representative sample of the housing stock based on, you know, housing topology, location, uh, tenure of occupancy, and so on. It was it was pretty well, condu- really quite well conducted by a number of the energy agencies working with um, with the institute, university that went on to become Technological University Dublin, um, and um, that's that study included a subset of homes, uh, 50 at least of them, were to be um, post-1997 building regulations, when we had a change in our, our energy performance regulations, um, and checked for compliance against uh, the, the, the requirements of the regulations, uh, Part L, which is energy, F, which is ventilation, and J, which is heat-producing appliances, boilers, and so on. Um, and um, if we just look at the L, Part L alone, the, the energy performance, um, uh, the, the study was the the the, uh, the report was done uh, based on a naked eye inspections, um, because um, uh, as one of the the energy agencies uh, involved in doing the work told me at the time, um, unless you can go around with a with a, with a hundred cans of paint in the back of your van, um, you can't drill holes, you know. Um, uh, so, uh, and there'd be, it'd be limited where you could get, they could only gain access to stuff like wall insulation through things like, um, uh, a, a vent, if they could remove that or an, or an electricity box, you know, electricity yeah. meter box. Um, uh, but they, so they found 87% of, of the, of the, of the 52 homes in the study, um, uh, in this part of the study complied with the, the minimum requirements of building regulations based on the naked eye assessment with floor insulation for instance they had to assume 100 compliance because they couldn't get access to any of them right um unsurprisingly the area where they found most compliant non-compliance was the attics um because they could actually get into them <laughs> um but 30 of those homes had air tightness tests done and 30 of them had thermal imaging done and 20 had both thermal imaging and air tightness testing done together and that told a very different story uh, 14 of them um, had uh, 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 missing insulation, um, and I think another 14 or so had uh, cold bridging indicating contravention of the regulations. Um, and 19 of the 20 homes, uh, in other words, 95% um, of, of those 20 homes had, had either of those two issues uh, indicating clear non-compliance. So it was either 87% compliant based on naked eye, or 95%, admittedly, of a subset of the 52 homes uh, non-compliant based on more meaningful diagnostic tools. So I think it, it is a critical question. You know, um, uh, there, there should be a way when you're dealing with existing buildings in particular to, to bring uh, these kinds of tools. And with new builds in Ireland and in the UK, and I don't know about France, you have air tightness tests required anyway. Um, well, so, uh, so, so, so that's a very good in, quality indicator, you know. You don't have um, problems. So new, uh, not new builds. Your extension in Peckham, Alex. Mm-hmm. Like we were not ripping holes out after the work was done to check the quality of the work because you knew no one was. Uh, yes. Well, the first thing that I, I thought was interesting was that it was uh, so it's energy uh, it's EPC rating C here, even though they'd installed a um, 
what do you call it, a, a veranda, and they'd taken out the double glazing from the kitchen onto the onto the, uh, the veranda, which meant that in winter it was 14 degrees. So when you walked down the stairs, you felt the cold, you know, the sort of the layer. And in the Haunted. Winter, it's it, ghost. Yeah. And in the summer, it's not energy, that's ghost. Yeah. You should have got your, <laughs> your witch-in-law to, to, to prescribe that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and in the, in the summer, it was the opposite with 40 degrees. When when I did the extension, the problem I had was that the people actually doing the work had no interest in looking at the at why they were putting in insulation. You put insulation in you know, between the joists and you make sure that they are as snugly fit as possible to make sure it's uh, as insulated as possible. And they actually, I'm pretty sure that they put up the uh, the damp-proof membrane or the, uh, yeah, the, the, the vapor barrier whilst I was out at work. And I had to have, sort of have a look behind it because I could find gaps that were five centimeters wide between the insulation and the, and the, uh, the joists because they just didn't want to, to do the work properly. And it was just, you know, yes, yes, yes. You know, look, I'm the, I'm the professional here. I know what I'm doing. Well, maybe you do, but I still have to go and look at it because clearly you're not doing any of the work you're supposed to do. Well, sure yeah. enough, they knew what they were doing because they boarded it up. They sealed yeah. it before you got home. So you can look at it to tell them to do it again. But you had well, to tear it just a plastic apart. sheet. That, at least it was just a plastic sheet. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Oh, man. But, uh, um, I just thought, should we go through some of the case studies, the examples? Because I think to your point, Jeff, you're saying that maybe they don't have all the right tools. So it'd be interesting just to see your thoughts on some of these uh, examples because I quite enjoyed this, this excerpt from the article, uh, which is a sort of a bit of a, a conclusion. Uh, I think you'll like this one, uh, Dan. Incompetence still reigns supreme over the profession. There is no other possible explanation. <laughs> Props, yeah. God. Right. Uh, this is all the more dramatic since the, uh, uh, the well, not the EPC, the, uh, the French version, has become an arbiter of the value of real estate. Okay, so this is their, their, their point, and they're not really mincing their words. So, so as I said, there were a few examples, of different houses, some in the north of France, some in the, in the south, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we had, for example, one of them, which was in the south of France, not far from where I grew up. It was built in 1987, and it's uh, it was uh, so 100 square meter bungalow. It had a reversible aircon heating system. I don't know, Jeff, if you're. I mean, this is a bit of a yeah installation. Yeah. Yeah. It had a, a veranda. It had photovoltaic and hot water panels on the roof. And it was class C by three of the. Uh, diagnosticians and D by another one. Uh, different recommendations were interior wall insulation, install hot water panels, okay, considering that the hot water panels were on the roof. And if you look at the picture... Solar can, solar hot water panels, yeah, yeah, yeah. Solar hot water panels, yes. Yeah. And if you look at the picture, which I can't show here, obviously, they're not exactly hidden. You don't have to sort of climb up on the roof to see them. So they were there, but someone was still making a recommendation that they should be put on. And they <laughs> were recommending that you insulate the ceiling from the outside which my understanding is they're talking about insulating the entire roof structure rather than laying some insulation under the, the rafters. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what you think about that, Jeff, from, from your, your perspective. This is not one of the, the worst ones, obviously. Well, you mean the, the, the approach to roof insulation, you mean? The whole, the whole thing, you know, so it's class C. Um, I mean, this is a, a property that has pretty much a hundred percent what they call it hundred percent uh self-sufficient on electricity because of their their solar panels uh the house pretty much stays at 16 degrees in winter without any heating so it's you know, doing pretty well it's got 16 degrees is cold though you know well i think i think for the people in in the uk i think uh or in an island maybe you're used to that 
or, or not used to the cold. But when you think that without any heating, it's it's still maintaining 16 degrees, and we're not talking about a high or without energy, heating, yeah, yeah, energy building. This is not not too bad. But you've still how do they people. know it's is it, they've got actual data to indicate that it's maintaining 16 degrees without having a heating without having the yes. airbase heating on? Yes, that's that's provided by the owners. Okay, so there must be the fabric must be decent then as well. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what do they know? Do they give information on what was done to the insulation levels uh, of the, the walls, for instance? Mm, I don't think there's actually any wall insulation at all. And no walls. Oh, whereabouts in France is this? So this one is in the the Var, which is uh, southeast France. Okay, well, you've got a very favourable climate there, I yes. suppose. You know, um, yes. I don't know how cold it can get um, uh, in the winter, um, but um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, one of the problems we have in in, in the UK and Ireland, uh, I mean, in in Ireland, um, we have one weather file in our national methodology, right? Um, so basically, mm-hmm. every house uh, in Ireland is assumed to be on the the airport of uh, on the runway of Dublin Airport. Um, and that is a that that's a problem um i would say for sure um uh, there's explain a, architect- that to me so what does that mean well, well there's a weather file assumed for the house um because you have to you have to make assumptions about um in your calculation tool about uh what kind of weather conditions the house is is facing uh and therefore how much heat will be lost you know um it'll vary so it's like with a passive house you know um uh, it's going to have a much easier job of it. You'll you'll find if you look at some of the specs on projects that we published, the passive house in say, uh, you know Devon or somewhere like that can get away with uh, depending on uh, the form factor and so on, like the shape of the building and so on. But um, uh, if, if you have a lot of glass, if you've got if you've gone for a very flary kind of building, you know then 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 you'll have to work harder with the with the wall insulation that you do have, for instance. Um, but if you've got you know the same all of them being equal, the same passive house in say. Land's End uh, compared to John O'Groats, um, you'd have to have a lot thicker insulation in John O'Groats to achieve the standard, right? Because it's much more adverse climate, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with the national methodology in Ireland, and I think in the UK you have a few, I think there's a few weather files for different different parts of the, of the UK, um, but in Ireland we've got one, um, and that means that, um, that yeah, uh, you, you're you're making the this, the same assumptions, um, uh, and that's problematic both with regard to heating and overheating. In fact, um, because you know um, you could have a house in uh, the Irish kind of Riviera if you're looking, you know, uh, the, the kind of um, you know uh, somewhere around kind of West Cork, uh, that Wexford, that kind of neck of the woods, um, uh, where we've got the Gulf Stream. Um, uh, you're, you, you know, uh, your building could be more prone to overheating with, uh, uh, d- d- depending on, on, on the design. Um, and then obviously if you go further north to Donegal and Leitrim and places like that, the, the inverse would be true. So, um, there's an architect who I want to have on the podcast, a friend of mine, John Moorhead at stage, um, he, uh, generates site-specific weather files for for passive house projects. Okay, so he uses, uh, I think it's I don't know, is it Meteonorm or who he goes to for this? But um, this can be inputted into the passive house software. You can you can there 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 are more weather files as default anyway. But you yeah. can u- utilize site-specific files. And he took a passive house that he had designed in West Cork, uh, the first passive house he built actually, um, and he plunked it in every county in Ireland to see what the impact would be. Right, um, and from memory, the heat load of the building more or less doubled um, in one of the furthest north counties. 
So, you know, it's a, it is a significant issue. Um, and that's in a passive house where you'd expect, you know, um, I, I, I what do you mean? Just, just the, the, the amount of heat the required. Amount of heat required. Yeah, basically, uh, you, you know, uh, in the coldest conditions, uh, it's, it's, it's how much heat the building would, would, uh, would require. Um, so, um, and the space heating demand as well also it was a very substantial increase. So, the, the, you know, um, having more accurate, the ability to input more accurate information into these calculation tools, um, uh, you know, both in the context of, of, of weather files and, ter- and in terms of, um, of the actual build you know, the, the actual quality of the build is critical, you know, and, and unless you get those things right. I mean, the other stuff, Alex, that you were talking about, you know, if you've got an assessor who's uh, saying you need solar panels there um, and, you know, and, and evidently oblivious to the fact that they have solar panels, um, I don't know whether they had solar thermal panels or whether they had solar photovoltaic panels, uh, electric right. generation panels uh, or not. Um, but, um, you know, uh, like, it might be that there's issues with the, with their with their overall scheme and that they haven't got you know if it's new in in terms of developing this kind of calculation. You're going to say with problems with the eye size. Say, say, yeah. yeah, well, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Like problems with understanding. Shall we, shall we try another one? That give, one us was a ba- give us a bad one. This one was if, maybe if a bit that's too... a good one. Like give us a bad that was one. a good one. So okay, now we're in the east of France and we have uh, 120 square meter house built in 1980. Uh, it's got um, a cellar and it's uh, heated with a diesel burner and it's got a mechanical ventilation system, no heat recovery. Um, it's the, uh, the, well, the, the, sorry, the, the cellar, the, not the cellar, the, the opposite of the cellar, the, um, the, uh, the buyer, <laughs> the attic, the roof, the loft. That's it. Cool. So the loft, oh, right. <laughs> the loft has been insulated. <laughs> yeah, the, bloody uh, homonyms. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, not hominid. The uh, so okay, so so the loft has been insulated. The windows and and doors have been replaced by uh, high performance model uh, or versions of those. And yet, they the estimate the calculations have been of um, energy consumption bet- ranging from 220 to 391 kilowatt hours per square meters, and the uh, CO2 emissions are multiplied by six from one DPE to the other. Oh, and in terms of um, carbon emissions uh, of the house, they go, they range from B to D when considering that the house is uh, heated with a, a diesel uh, burner. So they're basically saying that it's, it's not too bad in terms of, of carbon emissions, despite the fact it's burning fuel, the, the actual fossil fuels. And when you combine everything together, so when you, you do the actual envelope performance and the co2 performance they're ranging from uh, one gave them an f uh, one gave an e and one gave a d or at least there was a, a combination of those three uh, letters there and the one who gave a d his only recommendation was uh, n- do nothing to the actual fabric of the building just put a heat pump in there and that would for according to his recommendations oh sorry and uh, a manical mechanical um, ventilation system uh, with heat recovery this time to go from D to B in energy performance of the building or rating, sorry. So that Frenchman right. knows his onions. <laughs> so I don't know what you think about that one, guys, but uh, yeah, that's a, a bit of a, again, I don't know about the tools and whatnot, as you were saying, Jeff, but I'd say that there is some some big problems here. Again, 
I'm not I'm not saying that we can't argue the point here. This is still an article that's quite sensational, but it yeah. still feels like you can't really argue against some of this information on the assumption that obviously it's been all done correctly. But that's not about nuance, is it? No, that's, exactly. That's a really fundamental, appalling approach. It's either ignorance. But what was the, what did they say? It wasn't ignorance. Incompetence. That's what it sounds like. This is that they said that the incompetence is rampant in the uh, in the profession. Like I'm down with heat pumps and MVHR, like excellent ideas. But you, if you're pissing heat out everywhere, but also saying that well, if you do yeah. that, then it will bring you up to B, which is not true. Well, that's quite possible. No, I mean the thing with the heat pump. Bearing in mind that the rating is based on primary energy, heat pumps as the electricity grid decarbonizes uh, start to look increasingly attractive. Doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be cheap to run because that depends on on what the unit cost of of, of electricity is. Um, and then there's the question: the, there's the whole subject with heat pumps of educating people about how to use them, assume, assuming they're designed and installed properly. You know, people who are not used to having an all you know a, a heating system that's on either always um, or, or for for long periods of time that you leave it alone, ticking over, produced, trickling out low temperature heat, you know? Um, so there's there's all that kind of stuff too. But um, I mean, heat pumps can work. You know, there are certainly are good examples of heat pumps working pretty well, even in quite poorly insulated buildings, provided they're, they're, they're designed properly, provided the flow temperatures are kept low enough um, and provided the occupants uh, understand how to use them. I think that the problem here is that it sounds like they're making, so these recommendations are not actually uh, enforceable, luckily, but you're still assuming as the owner of the home that if you want to make uh, improvements to, the, to your building, that you should be following what the professional says. So they're going to go and do these these changes. Some of them are going to cost a lot of money and they're going to be completely inadapted to the, the situation that they're in, which is going to cause even more frustration on parts of the owner who are going to go around saying to all their friends, this is absolute crap. All this uh, green green crap is going to, is not helping at all. We just don't, don't worry about it. Keep your oil burner and you'll be fine. That's yeah, I mean, this. yeah. I, th- I think there's, there's no question that these the energy ratings generally have to be as as cre- as accurate and as credible as possible and have to have to not only be as accurate technically in the kind of you know this it can't just be a question of you know their primary energy figure even being accurate they have to to give consumers a a, a fair indication of what the building will be like to uh you know to, to, from from an experience perspective they have to give a sense to people of because people will have an expectation about uh, about running costs with them and about comfort and so on. Um, yeah. And if you decouple um, your notional green standard or rating um, from from those considerations, if they're not closely enough linked, you'll end up with red top uh, scandal news stories. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if this is quite uh, some some you know, sensational stories. I don't know if this is quite fitting the bill in that regard. Um, we I've seen them already in the UK. For instance, there was a uh, there examples a few years ago, and I think the Daily Mail. Yeah, know, I mean, if you um, look at any of the Mail's coverage of district heating systems or heat pumps, it's yeah, it's all exactly. got the whiff of scandal about it. From the actually, it changed a bit last year for a little while. I, I've not checked it for a bit. Like there was a, a little more reasonable discourse, but I've got uh, I started a, um, an abandoned research project into it, looking at the the tenor and nature of the discourse and the messaging underpinning it the other year. I got the broad brushstroke conclusions out of it, and it was just relentless misinformation. 
Like yeah. they would cover the top line truth and then spend paragraphs and paragraphs undermining it or misrepresenting what it could offer. Yeah, and we we had that as well. So, so to some extent, some of that will be unavoidable. You'll have some if you've got a, a muckraking journalist or somebody who's looking to kind of um, to uh, you know besmirch a technology or an industry, then then they're going to find a way. And the case in point for me was a case study we did years ago. I may have mentioned this many moons ago on the podcast. I don't know um, on Eamon Ryan's house. Uh, Eamon Ryan being the Irish Green Party leader and uh, energy minister at present. Uh, and, and friend um, of the show. Uh, we, yeah, he was on the show uh, uh, early on, actually. Fair play to him. Um, but he did a um, complete renovation and extension of his house in Dublin um, many years ago with a leading ecological architect, uh, solar earth, uh, architects, um, who are sadly no longer around as a practice. They're still the guys who run it are still operating, but doing different, different, different things now. His they completely remodeled the house inside. They extended, as I said, they did. They completely landscaped, re-landscaped the garden, and they built a writer's studio for Eamon's wife Victoria. Uh, and um, and when we published it, as we do with all our case studies, we ask people for budget. Uh, and we and we ask uh, for energy costs, and there was PV done and uh, solar PV done. There was insulation measures done, and, and a bunch of other things too. And the Daily Mail took this, took the total budget of the project, and looked at the uh, the before and after energy costs. And they ran a the headline for their story was I think 128 year payback on Green Minister's retrofit. You know, uh, taking. Uh, the, the, where, where the, the reality is that the vast majority of the measures done in that house, or, or you know, uh, overwhelming majority of, of them, were nothing to do with the energy performance. Um, but you know, from their perspective, it was they they went into it with an agenda, yeah. and uh, and they got the headline they wanted. You know, what can you do? Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's a separate issue. Payback. Go on, sorry. I think notions of payback is something we need to think about investigating another time. I'm quite struck by. Raymond McGurk's post the other week about how we spend a lot of time talking about payback in terms of energy efficiency measures, thinking about how much it's going to cost to run a place once you've applied them. Yeah, But we never make the same judgment of the vehicles. There's never a petrol payback. Now, the, it's yeah. a gross oversimplification, but it's yeah. quite instructive as to how differently we are valuing things. I it's need to true. talk to him about that, actually. It's true. And, and uh, my my. Uh, Tuppence worth on this particular subject is that, and we can, as you say, we can cover this separately. Um, is that if it's a renovation project, for instance, I think you need to think about um, regulatory requirements that you will have anyway, right? If you have requirements, um, uh, as you do in Ireland, for instance, to comply with with building regulations regarding um, uh, energy performance with that re re renovation. Um, and if we're talking about aiming, as we would be in the magazine, aiming for 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 better than the, than the minimum, than the worst legal building that you're allowed to build, right? Um, the question for me, even if you're talking about payback, I think it should be about the marginal cost difference. It's about how much extra the cost is compared to to what you've got to do anyway. And if you th think about it in those terms, actually, it changes things dramatically. But you're right, like you know, there's uh, you know, what's the payback on 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 an Italian kitchen? You know, um, uh, it's it's. Yeah. You can't you can't be too reductive with these things, you know, or you shouldn't what's be. The, what's the payback on your? Oh, what was it? I saw it in that tiny temper interior decor program. Three thousand pounds or six thousand pounds worth of infinity sofa. What on earth is an infinity sofa? 
Yeah. Is it, is it I, I can just... going over it or something? No, I mean, I mean, it's one of those. I find it so preposterous. I don't think I've ever cared to look. There's a good <laughs> sketch hubris. here, I think. There's probably a good sketch here in some somebody, uh, I don't know, going out for a meal in a nice restaurant um, and looking at the you know nutritional value that they need to achieve whatever for their meal um, and then uh, getting some amazing kind of... I don't know Michelin starred kind of meal and and uh, and uh, and uh, okay, if be careful about this because you don't want to appear to be exclusive when we're talking about energy performance. But the point is that you you know there are uh, there are other things that that we should that we should be considering and when we appraise these uh, these things, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Michelin fine dining, like the cost of that has gone up. Can measure it with uh, increasing energy costs. Like Cassie was looking at a place that we went to. Oh my god. I don't think we'll ever be going long plume again, Alex. <laughs> um, right. I think we're running long, so give us one more and then we'll probably call it a day. Um, we'll probably have to come back to this, I think, because there's... I think, I think it'd be good to, over time, to explore it. I think we've got a lot to learn about, obviously, the rest of Europe and France in particular in this case, but I'm happy to continue exploring and bringing a few a few bits for comparison over time if uh, if the audience uh, wants it. I think it'd be quite interesting. So. yeah. Well, I think we need to get one of those so-called professionals into the the podcast with us. It would be great. Because it would be great to have that that insight. I think it would be certainly really good to hear that because, from our perspective, we're just reporting on what's being written by someone else. So, yeah, Sorry, I just do, I just do a really short one. I won't go through the whole the whole thing, but it's just that what they call they've got this little section called you know the joke basically in terms of recommendations. And one of the uh, diagnosticians uh, recommended as essential work to replace uh, all the windows and uh, French windows as well, obviously. The, the article says, obviously, it's uh, both uh, useless and uh, expensive, considering that it would only uh, cause a reduction of 10 kilowatt hours per square meter, and it would maintain its C rating anyway. Right. Yeah. So, again, I mean, maybe it's all sensational, and they've, they've obviously chosen maybe they did more than uh, these case studies that we've been talking about and the other ones in the article. And there were a few other things. I mean, again, we could read a few. A few of them are actually doing, by the way, I have to mention that some of these case studies, there were recommendations that were good. Okay. It's not just all bad. It's just that because they had five per property, they were able to highlight uh, some of these really quite, you know, well, they, were, they are hilarious, but they're not at all, are they really? But I don't know. What yeah. do you think about that one, Jeff? In terms of know, making a recommendation that makes no change to the the property. Well, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I mean, you know, uh, I think um, a a good assessor who really knows their stuff um, uh, may well do ex- precisely that. Um, b- b- depending on 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 the value of uh, you know and the accuracy of of the rating system too, and, and, and what are there recommendations? Precise meant to be precisely to improve the 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 uh, the DPE or to improve the uh, the comfort of the building or the energy performance of the building or what you know because they're not or even just in the context of the DPE versus the energy performance of the building they're not necessarily the same thing. I can tell you if you got talking to people in the passivized community, for instance, the uh, more most seasoned passivized designers, they could well be uh, uh, making recommendations like that. You know, at, at times um, because they're just. Uh, well, I'm, and we've even seen, you know, the, 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 there are there are lots of cases in Ireland of, of um, passive houses where people have not put in the conventional heating system, for instance, um, getting crucified or getting really badly uh, penalised in in uh, in their energy rating um, because it, it's kind of a computer says no, you know, uh, a moment. Um, yeah. Um, so I I think there are legitimate questions here. Um, while I think 
the Irish authorities have done probably a pretty decent job in in improving the system that we have. There's still an outstanding question in my mind. It, there's lot, lots more progress, I think, needed. Um, and there's an outstanding question on, is it an accurate enough tool to give people, uh, that, that, you know, that people can have confidence in the outcomes um, in terms of, of actual the actual energy performance of the building. Uh, there are a bunch of other issues. Um, certainly, we are becoming aware of retrofit projects in Ireland where people have achieved a good energy rating and I think probably complied with all the requirements uh, or seemingly required with all the requirements of, of grant funding schemes, for instance, but where significant problems are becoming evident, uh, are becoming manifest in terms of, of uh, interstitial condensation in buildings, for instance. Um, you know, yeah. uh, problems that are going to uh, quickly lead to failure of the building. I'd be reticent about it. It gets easier when you've got a tighter cohort as we do now in Ireland. You know, we we have probably last I checked, I don't know where it is now, but we probably have a quarter of the number of assessors we had originally, um, and and we have full time specialist assessors. Um, but you know, if you're the, if you think about it, ultimately, I think it comes down to this: if you are paying for an assessment that's co- costing between 100 and 200 euro or maybe a bit more than that you know um and that's the extent of where you're getting advice uh, in terms of of measures that that may have a significant impact on on the value of the building um what do you expect for that kind of money you know yeah. how, how good can the advice be uh if it's if it's not uh, far off a a, a drive by raising you know but surely i mean okay yes there's not much money involved so therefore you can't expect much but should you expect some completely, sometimes, again, I'm only basing on what I've been reading here, but sometimes completely random or just clearly that they haven't been looking at, you know, looking up a, onto the roof to see that they already have certain measures. Well, the cook does. <laughs> yeah, you expect basic competence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's a fundamental. So you would expect your money back at the very least. And I, but- I agree. I also agree with you, Jeff, that you can't expect to have, you know, a full detailed report where they've been, you know, drilling through the building and looking at everything and then putting the plaster back in and making it all good and et cetera, et cetera. Fine. But surely there should be people who are doing this who come up with recommendations that are at least in line with the typology of the building or or, or some other aspect that makes sense. I mean, yeah. There's, there's another one which is very quickly, uh, we don't need to discuss it, but it's saying that this is an uninsulated home. It's run on a, on a diesel burner. And they're saying that one of them says, uh, replace your burner with a heat pump and it will go from F to C uh, without any external insulation. And the other one says that, or another diagnostician says, well, go and insulate the walls by the you know, EWI and, the, and the, the, the roof too, and that will go from C to B. So there's this weird thing where things are not, exactly the recommendations any expert should be able to tell you that that's not how it should be working it should be the other way around and that's the problem i have with this is that it seems like people are giving completely random or i don't give a damn types of recommendations to people who do not know better because they are not experts and they're relying on experts and these people are credited they're coming into our homes or in france into the french people's homes and giving them very, very bad examples that are causing uh, reputational damage to the industry. Well, it sounds like there are two fundamental issues there. Garbage in, garbage out. So -hmm. if your data source is unreliable, uh, then you've got a problem. If the person or the the entity that's interpreting the data is unreliable, Mm -hmm. you have another problem, which is related but not the same thing. And then you've got this latter part, the enforcement or who's checking the homework. If no one's checking the homework, what does it matter? 
Like it doesn't because nothing's ever going to come up. So this, oh, yeah. what that sounds like is a first step in that process. Because if if they're militant, yeah, perhaps we'll see if there's any English speakers. Perhaps it'd be worth contacting someone at that magazine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd like to know more about this. Um, yeah, it, it, it is interesting. I mean, I, I think there is a fundamental point here, which maybe relates to that garbage in, garbage out thing, which is... Uh, it's it's not that every house needs the same solution because of course existing buildings are all different. Um, so so there there are going to be need to be different kind of recommendations and there are a range of different kinds of measures that can work well. But you know there there are there are kind of key principles at the same time to to uh, low energy building and I think the authorities probably do need to be a bit more confident. I mean you know in in uh, in making that 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 point clear i don't know i can't speak enough about about the situation in france um and we just we, we need to move to a situation where we've got um uh better expertise I mean, where we're investing like the thing is that a really good seasoned uh, you know the likes the likes of a john moorhead or something like that for instance um that, that architect i mentioned earlier could give you a really good sense of a building like that pretty quickly you know, um, but, you know, uh, you're getting the benefit in his case of uh, all of his experience and and, and qualifications, um, you know, and that kind of restlessness that someone like that would bring to it. Um, so, you know, there ha- it has to be linked to the, 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 the I, I suppose it's ultimately linked to what people are paying for, 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 for the service, you know. Um, uh, uh, we, we need to ensure the frustrating thing for me, and one of the reasons that, that the magazine probably tr- exists, um, uh, is that you see people who want uh, to do good things, and that's increasingly the case now where you've got, you know, because of the energy crisis and the climate crisis, that consumers want want to be more ambitious in terms of energy performance um but it wasn't always the case um and and then you've got practitioners and suppliers who who have good solutions and good good expertise and, and advice that they can be given and they often don't meet up you know and we need to ensure uh, that people who who um who who really know their stuff um are being properly valued you know um and uh, and not having to fight and dog it out on on other work um and, yeah. and 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 you know not have the value of their expertise and insight recognized you know um so yeah. it's it, it's a vexing issue though for sure yeah. you know so everyone needs to do better and we need to do a bit more research yeah exactly and we need to value expertise and and work out ways of of of, uh, of identifying and i think a good kind of simple way of doing that is you know um it's not a panacea, but if you've got somebody who, for instance, is if you're planning a retrofit and you build project, and you've got somebody who's got the likes of a certified passive house designer qualification, for instance, or a certified passive house tradesperson qualification, for that matter, as well, you know, and even better if they if they've completed a passive house, even if you're not intending on doing anything like a passive house yourself, they'll have it within them probably. They'll have gone down like building physics rabbit holes, you know, um, and they'll have been stress tested before on projects. Um, and uh, and have gone through probably hopefully more meaningful qualification, so that so that they should have it within them to be able to give you really really good advice for for uh, for, for your project, you know. Yeah. Well, All right. Could I could I in that case could I read you the last few sentences of the article just to wrap things up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is that? Is that the epilogue? Yeah. Go ahead. So. Whether it is on the evaluation of the energy performance or on the recommendations of work, our investigation shows that the profession is not up to the task. 
rather than reforming the DPE, it would have been better to seriously train the diagnosticians. Whilst waiting for them to be trained, suspending the DPE would be by far the most honest measure towards owners, buyers, and tenants. In other yeah. words, the entire population at some point in their lives. <laughs> oh, God, right. Perfect ending. No notes. <laughs> we'll call it time here. All right. Yeah. Um, so please review the podcast. I might have said that at the beginning as well in main show. But like, if you won't mind taking a couple of minutes or a minute to give it a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using, Apparently, it's really helpful, so we want to try it. An actual written review is also really useful. Just anything, I mean, I trust you. Also, share it with people who you think might like it. That's really useful for getting the word out because, I mean, we just want to make a difference, like, absolutely and sincerely, as you probably heard last week. We might have started out cynically, but we just want it to work better, everything. All right, anything else to add, lads? Nope, no. Nope. Nope. Uh, so other, other than um, the, the, uh, they can't, uh, the, the, the magazine's suggestion to, to remove it, unfortunately, can't happen because, of course, uh, this is all coming for, as a requirement of an EU directive. So those darned bureaucrats again <laughs> meddling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, one last thing. Uh, Jeff wanted to include a correction about the I edited him, which made it sound like. He was agreeing with me when I said that the tallest building in Ireland in 2003 was like a four-story uh, building. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, dormer bungalow, exactly. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was 17, I think. Yeah, it, which is still a uh, yeah uh, short. You know, it, it's 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 a veritable dormer bungalow compared to to a lot of the world. But that's no bad thing. We don't need high-rise. They're high-rise buildings. High density, yes. High-rise, no. Cool. All right. Big up. Thank you, everyone. Speak to you again. Bye. Take care. Bye.